Welcome to episode 502 of Troubadours and Rockon Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have coming off the bench in a pinch, our go-to guy, Sir William. He's an axe aficionado, an educator, a fiddler, a chicken coop builder, and our resident historian. We talk about Bucks County. We reflect on the end of the year. We reference the wonders of his mother Dolores. He shares with us what it's like being a fencing coach. We discuss processing grief and fear, the distribution of wealth, and hopes for 2023. A beautiful conversation with my good friend, Sir William, this go-round. We have an EWSA titled Slide Trombone. We share a piece titled A Forest of Berlin by Brenda Coltis, published in the December 2022 issue of Harper's Magazine. And we have an EW poem titled Windstream. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it then. Episode 502 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours.
slide trombone. Los Angeles to Tempe to New York City to Philadelphia to Bucks County, Sondheim, Hammerstein, Pearl and Leon, Mr. Michener and the surf of all surfs off the bench so that a wrench was not thrown into the system, Speedway Boogie, a community of people and machines moving to and fro through the red-hot rays coming from miles and miles away, transported here, starting at the center core of objects that don't exist anymore. And the electrons are whisked out of orbits into fusion. Oh, hydrogen, oh, bomb. Oh, Christmas tree and menorah and diaspora of critical thinking secular humans. The cities are a petri dish, the suburbs and rural roads through everything and nowhere are witness to all of this. As we are talking and trolling on these phones, the big man from Georgia on a slide trombone, waking the drone clan coffee clatch as the dispensary down the way cultivates and prepares for sale another batch of cannabis to help ease the gaps and bring smiles self-indulgent as we look for the path home. Frosted window panes, candles gleaming inside, painted candy canes on the tree. Santa's on his way, he's filled his sleigh with things, things for you. Is this Surf William from um, where? Where is it? Uh, Bucks County. Yeah, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Coming at you. Coming at you. Who's another famous guy from Bucks County, Pennsylvania? Uh, let's see. Um, uh, well, uh, let me think for a minute. R R Rogers and Hammerstein. Right. Right. 
Rich, I think Oscar Hammer, Oscar Hammer, I should know this. Oscar Hammerstein is from Bucks County. And um, I'm thinking of the Mercer. Uh, oh, he's a famous writer. He wrote a bunch of great books, a bunch of great travel books. Oh, I'm going to be so mad at myself now for not for not remembering this. All right. I'll get what's that? Pearl Buck. Thank you, dear. That was my lovely wife. Pearl Buck. Pearl Buck. That, that's mm-hmm. the travel writer. No, no. Pearl Buck wrote um, The Good Earth. Oh, The Good Earth. Of course. I've never heard of it. That's right. Yeah. yeah Pearl Buck. And, I'm uh, an ignorant guy. I don't know these things. I'm gonna think of the other the other author. You you caught me you you caught me off guard, but I'll think of it. I'll How about is it Leon Redbone from down those parts too? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from right, right down the road. He lived right down the road from where we are. Maybe we should play a song uh, since we referenced him after our, our talk. Would you be cool with that? Yeah. You might have to, and he was a real enigmatic guy and like a, a recluse. Like he did, he lived right outside of New Hope. And, you know, people rarely saw him, but, you know, like Leon Redbone sightings were like Sasquatch. Like he, he, he didn't hang around the local scene, but every now and then he would go out and people would see him and, you know, it was like a big deal. That's pretty cool. You know, and, and uh, Oscar Hammerstein, as you mentioned, I think he used to bring, um, uh, good old, uh, Mr. Sondheim, uh, down yes. the, those parts too. Didn't yes. He? There was a book that was just written by, was it Richard Rogers' daughter? Just wrote a book. Yeah, I think so. About that, about that time where she was hanging out with a young Stephen Sondheim and how they had the sort of like a fling, a little romance. And she just talked about him and how special he was and still is, right? He's, is he still alive, Stephen Sondheim? He's no, still alive. Geez, you missed it. He, he died like a year or so, I think a year ago, and everybody was... Right, right. Well, I can't keep track of them. Yeah, knows. yeah. So many people have died. It's hard to keep track of them all. <laughs> what a statement that is. My gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was profound, I think. Well, you know, I don't even know if we could add them all up. <laughs> if we had tried to add up all the people who've died. It's a lot. Be billions upon... It could, yeah. it could, it's, it's at least a billion. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting uh, thing to to think about. Uh, we're we're at the end of the year, so we're talking about the end in some way, shape, or form, and and I guess that's apropos. By the way, we didn't even introduce who you are, a regular contributor, and he's off the bench yet again. He has a regular segment on this program, Surf William, and uh, he's been with us oh wow since pretty much the beginning. And whenever someone bails on us. For whatever reason, because they have a real excuse or because they're just being a jerk, I could always count on last minute Surf William to be able to come through and just work it. And that's what we're doing right now. I called him. He was on his way home from work. He's a school teacher, history, uh, Latin, German, um, among other things. He is a fiddle player. He is our resident historian, I'm happy to say. He's an axe aficionado, a chicken coop builder, Surf William from Bucks County. So the end of the year, how you feeling? How was 2022 for you? Um, 2022 was... 2022 was a good year for me. I, I feel really fortunate. I was talking to some people recently about the pandemic. 
and how I, I mean, and I don't mean any disrespect to people who suffered, but it was like a blessing. I thought the pandemic was wonderful. And I was talking to some people recently about it. And I just thought about all of the time that I had, all of the opportunities I had to get into new things and to deviate like rather drastically from my normal existence, which really involves a lot of interactions, like a lot of in-person, interpersonal, human interaction, and all that stuff got snuffed out, like literally overnight. And how that then just freed me to go and do whatever I felt like doing. I had nothing on my calendar. Work was basically cut in half, so that opened up a whole bunch of free time. And it was a really, and I was even saying, and I said it to Alex, this at the time too i'm proud of myself for appreciating it at the time a lot of times in retrospect we realize how good things were but i said at the time this is a special time this is magical that we have this time that we can spend together that we can explore that we can learn new things our our we're completely free i spent time with my mom my mom is now 85 back you know a few years ago she was 82 83 and i was hanging out with her like once a week it was wonderful and I appreciated it at the time I said this is really special and and I'm thinking back over 2022 as things started to ratchet up again right Mm -hmm. like when you think about going into the new year the, the new 2022 things were really not only were things getting ratcheted up for me people were sort of back out with a vengeance like it was like concerts um, restaurants, uh, school events, like everything just came flooding back, like almost, almost in a more extreme way than it was before. And I feel like that was a reaction to the sort of isolation and depression that, that, that was part of the pandemic. However, I really enjoyed our time in isolation. I, I actually found it really peaceful. So in 2022, you reflected on the the peacefulness yeah. of we of... got back to we got back to like normalcy so school was normal our summer was uh you know we traveled over we went over to europe for for a couple of weeks in the summertime so doing things that people did like pre-pandemic we did all that stuff and then for me you know it's been a little bit there's been a little bit of anxiety because my job is always different every year. You know, some people who are, who are educators, they teach the same things every year. And I've never had that. I've been in public schools now for eight years and I've never taught the same subjects two years in a row. You know, it's always been a different schedule. So that's, that sort of keeps you on your toes. It, it causes a certain amount of anxiety, but it also forces you to evaluate your practice maybe a little more closely. So there was all of that. And, And then you and I talked back in August when I was in Berlin. We talked about – it's funny. I was looking forward to the new school year, and I told you I got a lot on my plate. Mm -hmm. So now I'm a a fencing coach, and that is a whole other animal. I mean it's almost overwhelming all the things that a high school coach has to do. And and you you never really – we should just mention you never really fenced before. No. I had to learn all this stuff on the fly. As we said in my last interview, I really don't know what I'm doing most of the time in, <laughs> in every endeavor, but that doesn't stop me from diving in and giving it a shot. Really, ultimately, what's the worst thing that can happen? So now I'm doing that, and it's and there's a lot. And right now, my, my schedule is really hectic. When we get off the phone, I'm driving to Newark to pick up 
Stella from the airport. Your lovely daughter, Stella. My lovely daughter. So, uh, 18 years old, right? 19 years old? 18. Moved to 18. Arizona for, for school? Yep, she did a semester in Arizona and hated it. And now she's coming home. Because of the voters? Because <laughs> no, of cinema? Hats off to Arizona. They did a good job. They did a pretty good job. They did, they did as well as Pennsylvania, one could say. Oh, wow. Really? Well, Democratic senator, Democratic governor. True. But Pennsylvania's I mean, cooler. What's that? Pennsylvania's still cooler. Yeah, yeah. No, don't get me wrong. And I liked, I spent a little time out in Tucson, and uh, I kind of liked it. And I was looking forward to maybe going out there and spending some time out there. But that's not in the cards now because if my daughter's not there, I don't know if I like it that much. So what's she going to do? Is she coming back to go to school here in the East? She's going local. She's going to a community college, and then she's going to start applying to some other four-year schools. So I love it because not only is she close to home, but she's going to save us just so much money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I got to be honest with you. It's a sin, and I've been saying this since we were in college. We, we graduated from college. You and I, I graduated in 88. I know you were, like, right there. Uh, 89, I, 89 for me. Under, right, Undergrad, right. yeah. Right, you failed. You failed a few subjects, as I recall. No, I just kept changing majors. Right. <laughs> That's what I kept doing. Right. Well, you know, I, when I graduated from Penn State in 1988, I I owed ten thousand dollars. That was the total of my of my loans, because I qualified. For, you know, we were low income and we got qualified for everything, so I got a lot of assistance. But I still have to take out loans. And the, and the sum total of all of my loans for all of my college, including studying abroad, was $10,000, which we laugh at today, right? That's like a joke. Right. You know, and, and I, I, I forget what my larger point was. I had a bigger point. It's there. expensive. It's expensive. Oh, exactly. My daughter's going to be saving me a lot of money. So that's the point. Well, yeah, community college, that'll be cost effective. Um well, and you know what it was? I mean, she went into high school with a sort of like, I don't care attitude. And she, her freshman and sophomore years were not good academically. And, and in a lot of ways, they weren't good. She was a typical uh, adolescent girl and she was having all kinds of difficulties. And then when I'll say it again, when the pandemic hit, she just changed her whole attitude and said, I understand how important my studies are. I'm not going to be distracted by my friends who want to go out and go to parties and flirt with boys. I'm going to stay home and read and do my schoolwork. And that was, you know, she, she came to that conclusion on her own. And then she ended up getting very, very good grades her junior and senior year. So it really, it really made me happy to see her change her focus. And that allowed her to get into school. But I was so proud of her that I kind of let her decide, you know, Hey, you know, sweetie, wherever you want to go. When we were young, it was like Penn state or, you know, Lackawanna junior college. It was, it, it was the local colleges. Yeah. That was it. Right. I mean, know? that was it. I wasn't applying to Stanford. I wasn't applying to the university of Miami. I didn't have the money for that. The wherewithal, there was no way, but it's different now for these kids. I, we gave her permission to sort of like look around. We were excited that she was excited about college. You know, it's weird, too. Like, you, you mentioned the pandemic actually helped your, your daughter with, uh, with uh, her studies, where I think for a lot of kids, it, it made it harder for them. They're oh. behind. And, and the intelligence that she has, obviously, she takes after her paternal grandmother, you know. <laughs> That's possible. Your That's mother, possible. again, ma right. being mentioned twice in this conversation. Dolores, right. she's a great lady. 
She's a wonderful lady. She's doing really well. She came down here for uh, Thanksgiving. We had a really nice time. Did you guys? Like, uh, they have wonderful duets, folks. You should hear them. They're both great musicians. Oh, uh, I'm going to post more. I just posted some stuff recently. We played some music in church together. So I posted that on Facebook. No, scratch on YouTube, and um, I've got some more videos. I have to. I have to post. Do you want to share with everybody your deep religious convictions? Um, why? Because I played in church. Yeah, everybody might be wondering. Oh, he's a religious guy. Nah, it's just another gig. You know, we finish a song. I go out back and have a smoke and a shot of whiskey. Go back in, play another song. <laughs> it's just like playing a Flyers game at the at the at the sports bar down the street. It's just a gig. It's just a, just another gig. Your mother would slap you, wouldn't she? Or was she is she the same mentality? Uh, my mother used to read the obituaries to to see how many funerals she was going to play. You know, it's cash cow, and how much money she was going to make. I used to laugh. I used to say, "You remind me of the grandfather on the Munsters." We like reading the obituaries, and she'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to have four funerals this week," and she knew, and and, and you know, that was that was a part of her income. It was part of her income. She's just being pragmatic, practical. Yeah, she's a church musician. I mean, she that's what she does, and uh, you know, she's at a point in her life now. Oh my God, she's 85. She's she doesn't have to do this stuff. She does it because she enjoys it. It gets her out of the house. Right, because, you know, her, her uh, companion, her partner, her husband passed. and, and she's a, passed in 2018. Yeah, good guy, good guy. Oh, he was a great guy. And, and I'm doubly proud of my mom because, you know, she's getting older, but she's still really sharp. She still lives her life. And, um, you know, and the, the way she sort of dealt with the grief of losing her, her life partner you know, she, she, I'm not saying she's over it or anything, but she continues to live life and it's really inspirational. And we were talking about this tonight and the way we process grief and, you know, there are tragic deaths and then there are natural deaths. There are deaths, deaths that are a part of living. It's, you know, you live this thing, lived its life and now it dies. That's not tragic. And people who can't process that grief Clearly, I think there's deeper stuff going on there because I just think it's healthy to grieve, but then also to sort of grow. I, I What I say is the person who's dead, I still have a relationship with them. It's just a different kind of relationship now. Like I'm not forgetting about them. I'm not quote unquote moving on. I'm not moving on. Like I loved my stepfather. I loved my bandmate who died too young at 69. I think of him all the time. Like almost every time I pick up an instrument, I think of him and I think that's healthy and that's the way it should be. Well said. Well said. We're talking with Surf William here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, a regular contributor and our resident historian uh, coming off the bench because uh, a person we had James scheduled. Mitchner. James Mitchner. Oh, Isn't great it? writer. James Mitchner is from Doylestown. Is that is that your uh, lovely wife chiming in, or just it just came to no, you? No, that just it just popped into my head. Okay, excellent. Thank you. If you just tuned in, we were looking, we were talking about people that are from Bucks County, and he couldn't remember the author's name. Just popped into his head, James Mitchner. I knew it was gonna. I knew it was gonna. Um, I get confused because there's in 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 Bucks. I'm sorry, in Doylestown, there's the Mercer Museum, mm. and the Mercer Museum is a museum that was sort of put together by the Mercer family, which was a really influential Bucks County family. But I always confuse Mercer and Michener. It messes me up somehow. Well, they both start with M. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, that's, that's hard. Funny how, 
it's funny how the brain works. <laughs> it is. And everybody's a little different. You know, we have these little nuances, the way our synapses work. It's kind of strange. And if you explain... Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy. Like, you and I are, are in middle age, and I'm, I'm still pretty happy with how quickly I think. And I think we're in final third. I think we're in final third. Well, you know, I, I think we're middle age. Come on. Give us a break. You're gonna be, you're gonna you're gonna live to be 112. Uh, maybe. <laughs> okay. Maybe I will. Keep smoking those crooked cigarettes. Go ahead. <laughs> well, this is what uh, two things I want to say to you. This is what happens when you when you make me when we don't plan anything and we just start talking. And it's eight o'clock at night, and I told you I prefer morning. I think this is great. You kidding me? This is choice material. <laughs> Good, 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 good. <laughs> but uh, we digress from digressing. What were we talking about? Oh, James Mister, after processing grief, and you were, you were talking about you know natural deaths, and, and if, if folks yeah. don't know yeah, how to I, deal I, with that in a he- healthy manner, then maybe now, there's something don't, underlying. Yeah, don't get con- don't, you know. Don't let me. I don't want to mislead you. <clears throat> I think it's normal and healthy to grieve, and then you know one moves on, especially when we're talking about like natural deaths of people who are old and lived lived long lives right uh, uh uh i'm i'm not at all at the i'm not i have i have not found peace yet with the notion of my own death that's where i'm really hung up and right. i still have i still have work to do with that well you should do what our friend uh tommy has has done way back when he was in his 20s he's decided that he's not going to die he, cl- he proclaims it all the time can't you just yeah. do that yeah, yeah, I could, but I would know on another level that I'm, I'm, I'm deceiving myself just because I say it. I know it's not true. Like that won't work for me. It's like, a, I know I'm going to die, and right now, as I talk to you and feel healthy and vibrant and very much alive, I'm fine with saying it. I'm fine with acknowledging that it's, it's a fact. Like it's going to happen. But on another level, on sort of, sort of existential, metaphysical level, I am not. I'm not fully okay with it yet. Well, it is, you know, who, who, I don't, I, I'm not either. And I don't, I don't think about it, uh, you know, as much, I guess, as I, maybe I should, or maybe I, you shouldn't, that can be depressing, but it is healthy too. <laughs> it is healthy to a certain extent to reflect on that reality. Well, I uh, believe the maxim that you don't really learn how to live until you've, you know, embraced death and, 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 and you know, really, really sort of incorporated into your whole your whole philosophy and then you're really alive and i think i do that sometimes and maybe and maybe i have sort of like over time maybe i have gotten comfortable with the notion that we all die but i'm not sure and i'd rather just keep living and worry about that when i have to worry about it right right and i I don't know if that's the best thing but that's all i got yeah, people have been dealing with this forever. It's part of the human eternal, you know, sure. experience for certain. And, you know, fear is a big um, depleter of quality, you know, in your in your life. And, well, I, and, and I think that you're embracing that biggest fear of, of yeah. you dying and being uh-huh. able to, to transcend it to a certain extent is, as you said earlier, the, you know, going, going to allow you to live a better life, uh, you know, a more fulfilling, it healthy will, life. It will, and then you just, you hit the nail on the head. Fear is, is a real crippler. Like, fear is a thing that can really, really cripple you and, 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 and sort of beat you down and really uh, uh, take away your, you know, whatever kind of joy there is. 
And I, I think even, you know, hate doesn't even come first. I think, I think if you dug into hateful people, there's you, fear, you, you'd find fear. At the right. Fear's the root of it all. Yeah. And I mean, this is not like we're saying anything new, but no, really, but, but, and I have to remind myself of that when I see people on the other side politically who I find really vile, like really nasty and aggressive and mean and like way over the line. Who like the I, snowflakes and those people, the progressives, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm just kidding folks. And I just, I think to myself, there's got to be a profound level of fear in these people. Like they, something's really got to have them super scared for them to be so aggressive and and violent and and nasty. I guess I, I think largely it is. I agree with you. I, but some are just there's something wrong. I think you know from inception. But again, but again, we can talk about all the different ways they are mean. I think ultimately, when you bore down on, when you bore down into it, it's 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 fear. That stuff is ultimately fear based. You know, there, get, it, the bully, the bully. When you bore down into it, the bully is really scared. The bully is always afraid. The bully bullies for a reason, and do, that reason is they're scared. Do that you, if do you remember that movie well, with Al Franken? That character he he, he played on Saturday Night Live uh, was it? Stuart? It was, Stuart Smalley. Yeah, Stuart Smalley. Hurt people, yeah. hurt people, right? I'm <laughs> right. That's that... a, that's the truth. Yeah, that's the truth for sure. What are you drinking there? Hear the ice chinging around. I'm drinking uh, an Arnie Palmer because I have to drive, and so I can't. Uh, no, no alcohol. That's right. You got to drive to the Newark Airport to pick up Stella from Stella. coming yeah. in from Jersey, from uh, Arizona. Excuse me, picking her up in Jersey. So, um. Yeah, end of the year, 2022, and we're talking about fear and death and uh, and reflecting on how we're kind of getting back into a more normal way as compared to what we were doing during the pandemic. So more like pre-pandemic, but maybe it's even ratcheted up a bit, you know. I'm finding myself, and I don't know if this is a generational thing, if I'm being prejudiced right now, being one of the old guys stereotypical talking about the younger generations if it's generational or and or it's because of the pandemic but i find a lot of people just do not know how to communicate cannot you know coming out of this pandemic you're starting to talk more with with uh folks you know in in your in your work environment in your community and and there seems to be a discomfort uh a lack of uh, you know wanting to engage yeah you're not you're not wrong you're not wrong what is it though? Is it is it the gen, younger generations like you know that are just, they I can't? I find my students are my students are a little. It's a, it's a little weird this year the way I, people interact with each other. My students and my colleagues, things that things that you say that you say that where you mean to be lighthearted and maybe a little jovial and a little bit hum, you know humorous, people don't quite know how to respond to things like that. Um, People are less likely to just greet you by, you know, making eye contact and saying your name. These are just my anecdotal experiences just around my school, for example. And again, I don't know if it's really accurate or if it's me generating this and then getting it back. Like, I I don't know, but it's I used to walk into my building. I love where I work. I love my school. It's a really it's a really good district, really good people. And. I used to really enjoy it and think, man, I'm lucky. And, you know, the, in the past few months, I haven't been thinking that. I've been thinking, oh, this is kind of, this is tough. It's tough. And 
I don't know if other people are experiencing that, but I call it post-pandemic. I think you, we, we're all thrust back together again, including all of our adolescent students. And a lot of them really missed out on some crucial years of, um, you know, socializing and interacting. They were they were stuck in their houses. And so I think I do think it affected them. I definitely think it had an effect on, on kids. I, and the research shows that like the research definitely backs that up. Social, emotional, academic, every way. You know, there's a generate there's a group of kids now that definitely um are not are not performing the way previous previous classes performed, for example. So, yeah, there's something there. It's, and the you know, adults too, though I think are acting differently. Oh, the adults, no, definitely the adults too. Like my my colleagues, like people are just. It's a weird time right now. It's a weird time. Do you right think now. we're gonna get better as time goes on, or are we forever changed, never to get? Yeah, no, I don't know. Like you know, people live through wars, and you know they move on, and they you know they adjust to their new lives and yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll be all right we'll be all right as far as all right as we can be considering you know we're human and the earth is you know gonna spiral into the sun one day <laughs> yeah but that's billions <laughs> of years off now surf <laughs> william we're just about out of time believe it or not and i you know i want to give you an opportunity to you know you've reflected now looking ahead what are you hoping for in 2023 um, what am I hoping for in 20? That's right. It's like almost the new year. Oh my God. I honestly, I would love to see for myself personally, my life can continue as it is. I have no complaints. I'd love to see for and I'll branch out from there. So I would love to see, um, in my family and my community, I would like to see people really enjoying uh, enjoying their lives and being happy in their lives. For my country, I'd like to see people start to think in a rational, compassionate way again and start to reject this radical right-wing violence that's coming from, you know, one side of the political spectrum. And I, and I really hope, it seems, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're doing a little bit better with that. And, um, and for the world, I want to see the United States do more work in Africa there. That's all I got. What kind of work in Africa? What, what, what do you mean? Well, Biden's talking about increasing ties between United States industry and, and United States, uh, uh, the government and, and working with African countries now to start to develop some, to get some development going in Africa. I don't know what all that means, but I, what I know is the, the inequality in the distribution of wealth, it just has to, it has to start to be addressed okay, from so, from so, one part of the world to another and, and knowing the history yeah, of the world. I mean, yeah, if you yeah. look at our own, if you look at the, the, uh, the inequities in America, just in our country alone, you see a massive inequity in the distribution of wealth. We all know. I, you, I talk about this a lot. I really feel like that's one of the major, major problems right now in our country, in the world. You can't have the concentration of wealth that you have now in our country and the world at to the detriment of so many other people. It's just, it's not right. And it's not fair. And I think there are ways for us to start to address that without the haves freaking out because they are afraid that everything's going to be taken from them. It's not, it's not like that. I mean, the way we live right now, we can afford to live with a little less, like it wouldn't hurt us. Boy, you and better, you, you better hope Joe six pack isn't listening. Well, but you know, Joe six pack can listen Hey, all I'm saying is it's just self-preservation. 
the, the greater the inequality in wealth, the more precarious our existence becomes. And you might be living in a gated community, but that's only going to keep you safe for so long. And I'd rather not have to live in a gated community. I'd rather know that everybody's got enough that they don't have to lock themselves behind gates. That would be awesome. Right. And you shouldn't be doing it just because it's pragmatic. You should also be doing it because it's ethically and morally right. Exactly. But, but you know what? Even if they're doing it for the pragmatism, I'll take it. Yeah, that's a start. I don't care. Anyhow, Sir William, always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for coming off the bench once again. And uh, anyone you'd like to say hello to before we sign off, we'll be talking to you again in 2023. Um, Olaf, Olaf Schultz, the uh, Chancellor of, of Germany. All right. Solid. That was a solid shout-out. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Have fun on your ride to Newark, picking up Stella. Give her a kiss All on right. the cheek from me. Hope to see you during the holidays. Hey, I, I love you, EW. I'll talk to you soon. Ciao, fratello. Ciao. That was a train wreck. (laughs) (laughs) I really can't stay. It's cold outside. I got to go away. Baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been so happy that you dropped so in. very nice. I'll hold your hands, they're just like I. My mother will start to worry. You, what's your hurry? My father will be pacing the floor. Listen to that fireplace. So, roar. really, I better scream. Please don't hurry. But maybe just a half a drink more. Put some records on while I pour. Neighbors might think. Baby, it's bad out there. Lyle, what's in this drink? No cabs to be had out there. I wish I knew how. Your eyes are like I'm gonna say that I tried What's the sense of hurting my oh, pride? Oh, I really can't stay Baby, don't hold on Baby, it's cold outside I really must go Baby, it's cold outside No, the answer is no I say it's cold out So lucky that you dropped in So nice and warm Look out the window at that storm My sister will be such Gosh, your lips look delicious My brother will be there at the door Waves upon a tropical shore My maiden aunt's mind is vicious Gosh, your lips are delicious Never such a blizzard before. I've got to get home. Baby, you'll freeze out there. So lend me 
piece written by Brenda Coltus from The Writing of an Hour, a poetry collection, which was published in March by Wesleyan University Press. I'm getting it from the December 2022 edition of Harper's Magazine. A Forest of Berlin is the title. A bouquet of twigs and moss and a hard orange burst of flowers. Everyone in the forest wore black clothing, like a uniform of darkness. Berlin or Bear's Den or Berlin, and the bear at the door. Toy trucks and other smalls hidden under a shirt. Passing window view, Reichstag replica and porcelain and full of a wintry liquor. Everyone sleeps during the day. Clothing is tight and purposeful. Each street tells a sexy love story or a grim fairy tale. In Berlin, everyone knows the little walking man, his hat shaped like a soft skillet, and everyone keeps a suitcase of tiny toiletries stashed. In Berlin, the ends of your hair fade into turquoise. Bread is made of nuts and seeds, and cakes are rhubarb or apricot. The forest is thick with witches, and all your hard wires smoke like the flame from a fat candle. I sat outside a cafe with a blanket on my lap doing heavy eating. I woke in a city of bears that smelled of dairy farts, of meat and cheese. I woke in a city where even the toys smoked. A plastic bear smoked a plastic cigarette, and a toy bird filled with red liquid dipped its beak into a water glass over and over for my amusement. That city turned my own face into something hairy and soft, and those smells followed me home from the airport. While in this city of bears, I heard of a maiden who lived in a guard tower, even though she was not a checkpoint Charlie. Every evening, she stroked her hair with a boar bristle brush. The guard dogs below, German shepherds, were serious, large and wet, and their ears pointed forward. But a bear wanted the maiden's tower, prime real estate. Bears are persistent and clever, and this bear had heard that a poem, 
the words in the right combination, could spring open the heavy door reinforced with Bronze Age rebar. So the bear said, Hmm. And the maiden said, Yes, like that. The door fell open like an unhinged jaw of a giant, and she fled with German shepherds to find the human whose words were stolen by the bear. After roaming for years, she wondered if the bear had eaten the poet. Time is a long corridor of dogs and towers. In later chapters, she found herself locked inside a house of hair and a castle of friendly pleasures. She was held captive in a dungeon of lust, hidden on a vast estate where there were instruments molded from a Poe story in which a device meant a tool worked by hand to break the halos of medieval lambs.
Wind stream. Snow falls from the center somewhere up high in the sky, like a silent lullaby forming acute angles to the ground, surround sound theater outside my garage door. The trees with wind stream blow a flow of physical form alive and moving rooted in the ground with a quiet, confident sound. Stillness. Where is my shovel and where are those raggedy old gloves? Well, it's Christmas time again. Decorations are on by the fire Everybody's singing All the bells are ringing out And it's Christmas All over again Yeah, again Long dear Kids come get down And Christmas is a rockin' time Put your body next to mine Underneath the mistletoe We go We go Start to rock Christmas is a rockin' time Put your body next to mine Underneath the mistletoe We go We go Merry Christmas time Come and find you Happy and thereby your fire I hope you have a good one I hope mama gets the shopping done and it's a
let's see. I want a new Rickenbacker guitar, two Fender Bassmans, Chuck Berry songbook, xylophone. And there you have it, episode 502 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Surf William, writer Brenda Coltis, Harper's Magazine, and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, John Beasley, Nellie Mackay, Lyle Lovett and Kat Edmondson, Phoebe Bridgers, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Happy Holidays.